Broadcasting from the Any Hour Services Podcast Studios, I'm your host, Mike Wilson, and on this episode of In the House, we're going to be talking about backup generators. Let's go. In the House is a podcast about the major systems in the house, electrical, plumbing, heating, and air conditioning. Each week, I'm joined by a panel of experts. We pick a topic and discuss it in depth. It's meant to be informative and hopefully bring you some value. If you've heard the show before, thanks for coming back. We'd really appreciate it if you'd go and review the show wherever you like to listen to shows. It helps us know what you like and... Well, there's probably nothing you don't like about the show. So just leave all the positive things you like about the show. It makes me feel good inside. Uh, if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe. Like I said before, we're going to be talking about backup generators uh, on this episode. I've got Shane, Gavin, Scott, or Shane, Scott, Gavin, or <laughs> Scott, Gavin, Shane. Like I had to say it that many different times so that uh, you know no one was offended that their name was not in a certain order. If I for, if I left anyone out, my my bad. Uh, let's see. There are electricians at any hour services. Welcome, guys. Thank Love you. Uh, this is actually Gavin and Scott's first time on the show. Are you guys nervous? Not really. You're no. not nervous. I would have expected most people are nervous. What in your past experience like takes the nerves out? Do you just not get nervous about things? Well, I, I did some theater in high school, so. You did theater in that high school. Helps. Tell me, <laughs> tell me bit. what plays. Forty uh, Second Street. Forty Second Street. Was, rooster. was that a, you were a rooster? I was rooster. Oh, you were a rooster. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's like that kid's like, yeah, I was a tree in Peter Pan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got that. No, that, that was nailed. me. Was for, <laughs> you did theater as well? Huh? No, not even close. Uh, so, so not that this has anything to do with generators, but now I'm curious. So, is Forty Second Street is that a musical? Huh? Is that a musical? Yeah. It is. So Actually, I said the wrong one. 42nd Street. Yeah. I was in 42nd Street, but yeah, I what was in uh, Annie too. That was where I was rooster. That was also. I, 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 I was, was like, in a few. Okay. So do you prefer musicals or that's all your school was like putting on? Uh, I, I like either or. It doesn't Kay. matter. So I'm trying. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking back to Annie and Rooster and what song he would have sung. Let's see. I'm, I'm remembering that uh, when they come in to see whatever her name was mrs uh, mrs hannigan hannigan yep. mrs hannigan and they show up and they're like trying to get some money and um uh, what's the song that they sing easy right street there? easy street i want to yeah. hear it okay give no, it to us no i can't do it right now easy Back street then I could. <laughs> yeah. everybody okay. was impressed with the cockatoo i bet that they I were <laughs> i practiced that a lot oh wow okay cool uh scott you nervous <laughs> Nope. No. You are now, huh? Is it because we're just you just don't care? <laughs> I, I I guess I've been here for sixteen years, and so after that, you sort of just get used to anything. So. Once you what you know, once you like uh, you know go in and you're like seeing new customers every single day, you get you kind of get used to. Oh, just, you never have any idea what you're going to walk into, right? So. All right. So, um, interestingly enough, um, the first time you guys were actually so this isn't your first show that you've been on because you guys were featured in our uh, docu-series along for the ride. Gavin, you were episode 50. Scott, you were episode 17. Um, what did you guys think about being, like, how was that? Cause I've never, I've never really asked. I know I'm putting you on the spot. But. Uh, no, it, at first it was really awkward and really weird and having somebody follow you around. With a camera? Yeah, just like, back off, leave me alone. And then by the end of it is sort of more, Oh, yeah, I actually had someone to talk to and it's 
it's sort of cool after watching it with my kids has been really fun. They can actually see what I do at work. So, <laughs> you know, kids nowadays, YouTube is television, you know, to them. And sure. so, so they you, don't know what cable is, right? Yeah, so. you, you've been on TV. So they think that's yeah. cool. My kids, whenever we're doing the DIY videos, I promise folks, we'll, we'll end up talking about generators, <laughs> <laughs> but my kids, whenever they, uh, whenever they, whenever I'm shooting DIY videos around the house and they get to like sneak in or whatever, my youngest daughter, she's, she's a ham. And the other day she was watching her greatest hits. She was watching our DIY videos, but only the parts where she appeared. Cause she knows which ones they are. <laughs> and she came downstairs and she like was watching. She's like, dad, did you see how I did that? And I was like, yeah. She's like, and then I said this and she's like acting. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I'm in for it. Um, Anyway, so, uh, okay, now we're talking about generators. I don't actually know of anyone who has not experienced uh, some kind of power outage, but let me just see. Have, have all of you experienced the power going out in the house? Some oh, absolutely. Out. It was growing up in Springville. Every summer afternoon at 2 o'clock, it was guaranteed the power was shutting off. <laughs> so. uh, why, why is that? Do you know? Uh, mainly, I think the power grid was overwhelmed there's so many people moving into the town it just wasn't upgraded to the point it needed to be what what are what are the most common reasons that uh power outages occur so you 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 said every afternoon so something about the power grid like if it's being overwhelmed oh yeah if there's not enough demand or there's too much demand on the system then they it's like trying to drive your car 130 miles an hour if your car can only do 80. so does the grid does the electrical grid does it have some type of uh safety mechanism that shuts down before it does permanent damage or it when it shuts off is that a failure like uh that wasn't supposed to happen or do they kind of plan uh, you'd have to ask the lineman on that one i have no idea <laughs> interesting uh what about you guys power outages as far as on my end uh most of the time that i've seen the power go out is during storms Okay. Mm -hmm. Whether that be a lightning strike or a lot of times you get big trees that fall on power lines that knock it out. So that's, so that's my storms, Like if there's a lot of wind, like knock yeah, it out. Yeah, wind is probably the biggest. Uh, also on meters and stuff in our company, we replace a lot of meters when wind hits trees. So I think trees probably cause, I wouldn't say the majority, but a lot of the power outages. Really? So when the, when the limbs go down and hit that service lateral going mm -hmm. over to the house, are you having to replace it because it's ripping it off the wall or bending the mass or uh, what, why, why so many uh, replacements All there? The what double. is that doing? Go ahead, Scott. Everything. It's um, Brad, one of our plumbers, his neighbor is a lineman and he showed me a picture last week in Park City that the wind had picked up a trampoline and threw it into the power lines. Really? And that was his call in the morning was this giant trampoline up on the power pole. Wow. Give so. me a copy of that picture. That sounds, <laughs> yeah, it, that sounds cool. interesting. Um, Gavin, what about you? Uh, power outages. A lot of the ones that I think of is people hitting power poles with their cars. Mm. Yeah. That one's, that one's always on the news. <laughs> I, I actually remember, um, Lee back, back when he was running uh, service calls. Um, I remember him going out to a power outage situation and a raccoon had like gotten into a transformer and oh, shorted that bad boy out. <laughs> um, so with the power going off and on the way that it does, I mean, do we need to worry about like the effects that it has 
on our system? Are there, or is it okay? Like, I mean, you think about a light switch, right? That's essentially on that light bulb power just going off and on. Mm -hmm. So is it the same minimal effect on the house or are there things we need to worry about there? Oh, absolutely. There's a lot, I'd say most power outages people will experience is actually in the electrical connection in the ground from the main system to their home. So it's not necessarily their neighborhood that goes out. It could just be their house. Really? And depending on if it's say Friday night, you may not have power back till Monday with mm. inspections, things like that. So that's yeah. a good point. So there's, there's actually a couple of kinds of power outages because when, for me having an electrical background, when the power goes out, the first thing I actually do is I walk outside and I see if it's in the neighborhood so that I can determine if it's my house or if it's a, you know, a, a power issue with the, with uh, Rocky mountain power or whoever your power provider is. Um, so what, okay. So what are the, um, negative effects with that power going off and on that can happen? Surges. Surges. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest. Yeah. When the power comes back on, you can, you get surges and it could take out your TVs, computers, things that are sensitive to, to your power surges. So surge, just a, a power spike. So you've got, uh, what, 120, 240, you know, coming into the house when it surges, you've just got like this massive spike and your appliances and things are rated to, um, operate off of a certain amount of power. And when you get that big, you know, influx, it can blow circuit boards and, and just damage things that way. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, is there any, I mean, th I guess this doesn't, we're talking about power going out and I guess uh, surge protection can be a whole nother episode, but before we get mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, generators and, and what we can do when the power goes out as a safety precaution is, is surge protection. Is that what uh, people can do to, kind of eliminate or minimize the effect of those surges when the power is kicking off and on like that? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You can also turn it, off the breakers too. Yeah, turn the breakers off. And it, the surge protector doesn't restore power though. Yeah. You're only stopping some of the the issue. So once, once your power goes out, you can have your surges, you lose your neutral, you could have 240 volts on your outlets. Gotcha. Computers don't run very well at 240 <laughs> volts. They run really fast. <laughs> Once Twice. the smoke's gone, the magic's gone. <laughs> and while we're talking about that, Mike, uh, at my house, I've got eight kids. So I'm not even thinking about my uh, my electrical things. I'm thinking about my family. Mm. And now you look at your freezers outside and um, you leave it out too long and that's all bad. And refrigerators are bad. And if it's the middle of winter time, you're freezing because the furnace doesn't work. And so just uh, the effects it can have on, on families is, is really tough. Gotcha. So, all right. So if everyone or most people are experiencing surges or not surges, uh, well, you are, whether you know it or power not. Outages. <laughs> power outages. Um, let's talk about then preparing. How can we prepare um, for those power outages? Now, when I think of uh, power outages, I think of like, there's, there's a couple of different, you got to think about how long the power outages are going to last and the frequency of it. Because Scott, you were saying that, you know, in Springville, it happened every afternoon at two o'clock, which means that power would have to come back on pretty quickly, you know, in order for it to happen the next afternoon. Yeah, but, it, uh, it's about from two to six every day. Really? Just, just guaranteed. You knew what time it was. So, uh, you know, what are, what are some of the things that people need to do to prepare for those kinds of power outages or is there anything that they can do? 
Yeah, sort of have a game plan. Have a, you know, sort of a, just like you train, what happens if uh, you flood? What do you do there? You go shut your main shutoff off. What do you do when the power goes out? Well, you get the generator and get it fired up. Well, let's let's step back from that uh, real quick before we get to generator. So let's just I, I like how you said make a plan because, uh, you know, for a long time, I didn't have any type of, you know, backup power at, at my house. Uh, but having young kids, you know, when the power would go out, it's most noticeable at night, you know, because, you know, during the daytime, you just, windows are open, you still get light in the house. I don't and know stuff. if that internet goes off, my kids lose their mind. Well, so. sorry, I, I guess this was a long time ago before <laughs> uh, I let my kids have internet or before they knew what it was. And it was more of a thing where they would like get freaked out because it was dark all of a sudden, you know, so like, you know, having a plan, knowing where flashlights are and, and candles and different things like that. So you can think about what those basic needs are that you have, you know, something to entertain them if the internet does mm -hmm. go out and things like that. And then as you are, uh, you know, building your plan or expanding your plan or your preparation for things like that, when the power goes out, that's when you start to get into those next steps of, uh, you know, some type of backup power, some type of generator. Uh, what are, what are the most common, uh, or what are the different kinds of generators that are available, Shane? Well, you can go anything from uh, very small to very large when we're talking about generators. And uh, we'll be talking about larger generators in other episodes. But uh, they make really small ones up to 1,000 watts. I mean, you can pick them up very easily. They weigh probably about 15 pounds. Yeah, about that. But very small. They're very quiet, but they don't run much stuff. Uh, not you, you may be a few light bulbs in your house and just basic small little things. They make uh, little portable ones that get up to that. I've seen them up to like 10,000 watts where you can actually run quite a few things. Um, those get very heavy. They're usually on wheels, so you're going to roll those out to your house. But, uh, but there's anything in between there, too. I think a lot of the, probably the most common, just small portable generators, probably between that 35 and 5,500 watts. And with that, we can kind of talk about what they would run. So you've just got quite a few different, you've got different brands, too. You've got some that are very cheap. I've seen generators as low as two and three hundred dollars, and uh, also some. You get into the nice Hondas, you can be up around that two, three thousand dollars for some of those. So, as far as basic kinds, you got anywhere from uh, you know uh, portable generators mm -hmm. to you know the the bigger standby generators that mm -hmm. are actually permanent in place and installed there. Uh, like you mentioned on this episode, we're mainly going to focus on portable generators. This is actually part one of a two-part uh, generator series. Um, but in this part, we're going to focus on those portable generators. And I think it's a good place to start because I think a lot of people um, do actually have uh, some type of portable generator, whether you use it for camping or other things like that, or whether you bought a portable generator because you wanted to have some type of backup in case the, the power goes out. Um, one of the reasons that I think that's a place to start, it's usually the least expensive option as you're getting started. So if you're working on your, uh, you know, preparations for different types of emergencies, that's a good place to start. Um, it's ex it's the least expensive, but you're also sacrificing a lot of uh, headache to have a portable generator as well. Uh, talk or, to me more about that. Yeah, you you're, yeah, you're yeah, you're saving you're headache. saving money, but you're creating yourself headache because when power goes out, now you have to do something. You have to pull it out. You have to get it set up. If you're not home, you get to listen to your wife yell at you that it powers off. <laughs> oh, for sure. But I also know that, like you know. 
one of my dad's favorite sayings growing up, different strokes for different folks. Some people would much rather have the headache of having to do those things and still have more money in the bank. Oh, than, absolutely. <laughs> I, yeah, there's many pros to it. So. so, so, so yeah. So, and, and, you know, we'll, as you're listening to this series, we'll definitely, you know, go into, you know, those bigger options, but let's, let's focus right now specifically. Let's talk to the people that do have a portable generator, or maybe they're wanting to get into the game. Maybe they're young married couple and they, you know, they, maybe they are renting and they, you know, don't want to put the money into a rental, but they still want to like, you know, preserve the food in the fridge when the power goes out, um, different things like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so with a portable generator, will it run the house? First off, will it, will it run the house? It probably won't run the whole house. Um, if like your AC, your range, things like that, microwave, those use a lot of power. Um, but you can, you can run the essentials, um, depending on what your essentials are, uh, <laughs> lights, furnace, fridges, freezers, right? Those are big things. And that's like we talked about it size, yeah. all portable generators <laughs> are sized differently. So it depends on what size you have. So let's, let's start right there then, because I think that is a, a natural first step. If you are trying to, uh, figure out what you're generate, if you've got one and you're trying to figure out what it will do and, uh, or if you want to start with one, I think that's, that's a good first step. You guys both kind of touched on it. What are the things that you want to keep on when the power goes out? And just curious, Scott, if the power went out, what is something that you would want to make sure stayed on? I'd. It sort of depends on time of year, uh, refrigerator and furnace. Those okay. are the two main ones that gave okay, powers out. It's cold. You want heat. Shane, what would, what would you want to keep on? Uh, be a refrigerator freezer. I do a lot of hunting. So I've got a lot of stuff that I mean, a lot of meat costs money. Mm -hmm. I'd want also lights. I'd want to see, and then uh, I think furnace too. Okay. Gavin, how about you? What would you want to keep on? Yeah, I'd, I'd do my, my fridge, my freezer. Um, I'd have my furnace on and then a few lights, um, big thing. And with me, I experienced one recently that I realized that I didn't have any communication. My phone didn't have any internet, so I couldn't look up why it was out and how long it was going to last. I had no idea. So I'd like to have my, my internet up so that I could at least see what's going on. Yeah. For me, I'd, I'd probably, if I had to choose like one thing, like, I probably make sure the internet was going <laughs> run an extension cord for the, you know, so that I can like, you know, it powers out. Like I'm not going to read a book in the dark. I'll just watch Netflix or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, and keep those kids occupied. Um, anyway, so yeah, here's the thing though. Um, essential or why people would keep it on. I mean, there's people out there that if the power goes out, they got medical equipment that that needs to keep going. They've got, they might have a small business or a web hosting. They've got a server that needs to stay on whether the power's off or on. Um, so, you know, it's different strokes for different folks, but like you, that's the first step is you need to like know what do you want to um, keep on? And then once you figure out what you want to keep on, then you need to go and figure out, okay, how much power does that, uh, item or whatever use, whether it's a, a freezer, a fridge, a furnace, uh, you know, the internet lights. So how, how does someone go and figure out, uh, you know, how much power something is using? Usually there's a nameplate. Okay. If you can usually like on the back of your fridge or inside your fridge, usually, um, on the bottom of things, it'll say Watts. Okay. How much it so uses. Watts are what people want to look mm -hmm. at usually as far as like how much power it's going to be using. 
that's what generators are rated at. Um, you, all the portable ones will say how many watts they can use. And when you're looking at a generator too, it's going to say starting watts and running watts. So there's a little bit of difference there also. So generators will kick on and for a minute they can hold more and then just a running that's going to be lower. So as you're adding up watts, I look at your generator and see what they can run full time at. Especially things that might have a compressor or some mm -hmm. type of motor element to it. Yeah, refrigerators, freezers, they really, when they start up, pull quite a bit. So just so. make you a column, list the things that you want to get uh, or that you want to use, and then start, keep track of what the... Uh, you know, running watts are and what those surge watts are um, or the startup watts uh, to, to get the thing going. And then uh, how important is it, like if the generator is going, will it shut off if you try and plug too many things in or can you plug too many things in to a generator and not really supply enough power? Like what, talk to me about, about that. Uh, every generator I've seen typically has a circuit breaker, breaker on the generator itself to keep you from overloading it. Because most of us don't sit there and add up every little item we're using. You sort of just expect it's going to work. Gotcha. So, well, uh, I guess my question is, will it trip like a circuit breaker or will it shut the motor down on the po portable generator? It'll trip the circuit breaker. So the generator will still run. You just won't have any power. Gotcha. Okay, so there's a little troubleshooting step there. Um, okay, so then you figured out the how much power you're gonna need. That means you can now go to the store or check your generator and make mm -hmm. sure that it's gonna do. Now with, with portable generators, is there a difference in how, I don't know, how would I say this, how clean the power is that it's providing or does, does it fluctuate? Because I mean, in the house, you, I mean, you don't wanna have, we talked about surges, do generators like fluctuate with the voltage that they put out or do they have uh, like a governor on it to make sure that they're putting out the right water, uh, the right voltage? Uh, for the most part, they're fairly clean power, but like with anything, whenever you have a heavy load come on the system, it's gonna lag it down a little bit and then it's gonna rebound coming off of that. So you're, you're always gonna have a little bit of fluctuation with any power source. I'm just wondering if like, Cause we talked, Shane, you talked about like the difference in price range. Mm -hmm. You got like a $300 generator up to $3,000 yeah. generator. Um, does that factor in or does like any generator to get you started is going to, as long as you know how many Watts it's, it's going to give you clean enough power that you're not going to have to worry about damaging anything in the house. There are different generators made just for certain things. I and mean, then you start getting into computers and stuff and there are generators made for stuff like that, that do have a cleaner a power output. Yeah, um, typically those have a battery, like a battery source that it's power, it's putting energy into mm -hmm. the battery pack and then pulling out of that pack. So it can always have a guaranteed voltage. Gotcha. The device is or the generator is doing that? Uh, either or. A lot of people have like UPSs, things like that, that will do that. They're a battery pack that will protect their equipment. Mm -hmm. Generators, I'm... I don't get into that a whole ton, but I'm sure there are some higher end ones that will have that feature. Gotcha. Okay, so you've selected the generator that you wanna have. I think an important like step two in this process is to, excuse me, kind of go through a dry run. Like don't just go buy the generator, leave it in the box in the garage and wait for the power to go out. Uh, you know, you want to kind of know what, uh, how this thing is going to perform and how you're going to hook it up. Mm -hmm. So well, and one thing, Mike, with the size really quick is yep. uh, elevation, depending if we're here in the valley, that's one thing versus if you're up in park city, 
that okay. elevation changes the size of that generator big time. Uh, talk to me about that. What do you What do you mean it changes the size of the generator? So for every thousand feet above sea level, you lose three percent on a gas powered generator on like a gasoline engine. Gotcha. Okay. So, so you, you go to nine thousand feet, you're so losing that a lot mean of. If the generator is rated just for easy math, if it's rated at a hundred watts. I'm not yep. going to try and do the math on thousands of watts. Anyway, if it's rated at 100 and it's saying it's going to put out 100, if you're 1,000 feet above sea level, it's actually going to put out 97. Yes. If you're 2,000, it's going to put out 94, Yep. if that math was right. Anyway, so so 3% every 1,000 feet. So 10,000 feet, you're going to lose uh, 10 times 30%. So 70 yeah, no, I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, okay, so that is something that they need to take into account. And a lot of people that have generators that go up camping might experience that when they're up at 10,000 feet up in Fairview, something like that, and wondering why they're struggling to run their air conditioner on their trailer Huh? is because it just isn't producing as much power. I, I had not uh, realized that. No. That's why we have the panel of experts on the show <laughs> to, uh, to go over those things. Okay, cool. Good. Any... And anytime, like I'm not the expert on this show, you guys are. I'm just kind of like driving the train, so you guys do that and stop me anytime we're we're going along. Uh, Mike, can I say one more thing about generators, real quick? Yes. Well, I mean, I hope you say a lot more well, things about generators. <laughs> like the episode's not done yet. But one thing to look for also when you're looking at a generator and also looking at things that you can power in your house is: does that generator put out 240 volts also? Mm. Some of the small ones, if you get to like the 100, where the 1000 watt generators, they're only 120 volt. Well, the one I use on my trailer, mm -hmm. it's a 3500 watt generator, but it's only 120. Okay. It does not do 240 because yeah. it's designed for a camping trailer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which you don't need them. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so good point. Watch the elevation. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at the items that are going to be running power, mm -hmm. understand whether it's 120. Uh, volts or 240 yep. that you're that you're needing to run there and make sure your generator if it's 240 is going to be putting out 240 yes and go ahead sorry another thing is with uh when you're choosing what generator is you have size as well as most of them run on gasoline but they have a lot of new ones that run on propane portable ones portable ones mm -hmm. and the the best part of propane is it doesn't go bad so you can store a lot more fuel where gasoline, if you're not stabilizing it within three months, your gas is bad and it's mm -hmm. not going to do anything. So do your homework on, you know, the different features and things of the generators and, uh, and take into account the elevation and all those different things. Once you, anything else in general about generators and sizing on those portable ones, um, when you are, once you have the generator, let's talk about, uh, you know, best practices of running it and kind of going through the the steps of getting it set up because and again we're going to start with the most basic like you got a generator and you're just running extension cords and then we'll kind of step up to like okay well is there a level above that as far as like what you can do but let's start with basic people having extension cords and things like that um obviously you need to know how to start the thing uh if you what kind of fuel you're going to be using you want to make sure you're storing that but um talk to me about the extension cords that you're running off of the generator do they need to be a certain kind of extension cord do you need to worry about length i mean if you're running the generator can you just put it in the living room in the middle of the room and 
So it's you can once. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that ever. <laughs> no, always run your generator outside and your garage doesn't count as outside. Even with the doors open, it's got to be complete open fresh air. Now, uh, is that because it needs that combustible air to function or is that more of a safety thing so that people are not like getting carbon monoxide poisoning? Carbon monoxide poisoning, just like you see in the TV shows, they always take the tube from the exhaust and stick it in their window. That's what you're doing if you start it in the garage. Now, that's if it's an attached garage, if it's not attached to a living space. Even if it's in any outside. enclosed space. So, but that's where I get to like the not running properly. Cause if no one's in that enclosed space, I have a detached garage. It's a oh, big I detached garage. Saying. No one lives above it. No one's around it. And if it's like raining and stuff and I'm like, eh, maybe I want to like run the the thing inside. Do I need to worry about like an HVAC system where you you've got to take into it. account the combustible air? You say don't do you it. Just keep never it outside. Do it. Never do it. Okay. Yeah. For the record, I've, I've never ran my, I'm, I'm trying to ask some very obvious questions for people that might be listening. So, okay, so never run the thing and in a garage. The main reason is, is even if it's in there, nobody's inside there. It does need air to run, but the biggest issue is you're gonna have to go in there at some point to shut it off, to maintain it, to do something. And a little bit of carbon monoxide at that level, you can get a breath and it can kill you. Okay, so, uh, Make sure that you, I, I mean, a lot of places online, they say keep it 20 feet away from the house, uh, you know, when you're running the thing. Because you might have it outside, but if you, if let's say the power's out and it's hot and you put it right next to a window and you've got the window open. So, you know, keep that thing a good distance away from the house. Uh, extension cords, make sure you've got the, the properly rated extension cords for, you know, what you're going to be running. Well, a lot of people don't realize that orange extension cords you see that people use on their weed eaters, mm -hmm. they're only good for 13 amps. And so... I've seen so many extension cords turn into a fuse and get so hot that they burn lines and carpet, things like that, just because they're, they're not designed to run uh, more than just one small appliance. So talk to me because we've been talking uh, pretty exclusively about watts and, and what's running off of there. If you've got a uh, 13 amp rated small extension cord, what's that kind of equate into wattage wise? as far as like what uh, I see everyone with their the calculators. <laughs> yeah, doing the math. Uh, 1560. Okay, so uh, you know about- And you wanna run that at 80% of that, mm -hmm. so. Yep. So 80% uh, of 1560. You're sitting at- 1248. Yeah, 1248. Okay, so one of those orange extension cords, 1200 watts. That's that's what you're- what That's you're, the max of the max. Mm -hmm. Right, so- um, We'll toss it. What what are the other options extension cord wise? So are you saying not to use those extension cords off of a portable generator, or are you just saying don't? You got to be careful. Them? Yeah, you got to be careful what you're plugging into it. Say you want to run a space heater, you mm -hmm. can't portable generator. You can't plug your uh, furnace in. Uh, so you want to use a space heater, but a space heater pulls fifteen hundred watts. Yep. So, um, so one thing that I, I guess that's, that's the thing is like when you're running things, not only do you need to understand the sizing, 
that the generator needs to be as far as like how much it's outputting. But if you've got a generator that's putting out 3000 watts, you're not just gonna run one of those orange extension cords into the house and then try and branch everything off of that because you're like, oh, well the generator's putting it out. You also need to keep in mind that the wires supplying that power to the house need to be able to handle the amount of power that it's uh, running. So it's not just as simple as like going and plugging an extension cord in off of a generator. Also length, uh, length on extension mm -hmm. cords. Okay. Use the shortest one you can. You get voltage drop if you start transferring power too far. So you don't want to be plugging 300 foot extension cords in to power something. Mm -hmm. uh, get an extension cord that's the right length and the right size and you'll have a lot better luck. So beef up, beef up the size of the extension cord running into the house because if you're running it into the house, you've, you're obviously, we, we've told you to keep the thing away from the house, uh, but we're trying to use as short a distance as possible. So don't go any closer to the house than 20, 25 feet and beef up those extension cords that are running the power into the, to the house. Um, practice turning the thing off and on. You wanna know how to uh, start the thing. You wanna plug the stuff in. And is there a, is there a process? Let's say the power goes out and you're going to um, you know, use this generator. Walk, through, walk somebody through, okay, power goes out. Now what do you do? Like, do you need to shut off the breakers? Do you need to just go and crank up the generator, plug everything in and then crank up the generator? What do you do? I would say, well, when you're, <clears throat> if you're just plugging it into the generator, I would say start your generator first. Mm -hmm. Cause if you have loads trying to pull power while you're starting your generator, it's going to have a little issue starting. So okay. start it up, let it run. So it's warmed up and then plug your things in. Um, I wouldn't say turn it off breakers then because you're just unplugging and plugging things in. Yeah. So, well, that is something like you don't want to rig up some type of cord and think that you can go and plug that into an outlet in the house and backfeed things, uh, you know, because you can make an awesome bomb doing that. Well, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you've got people that are trying to restore power. And if you're sending power back through the grid, you're creating a big safety issue mm -hmm. for them. So do what Gavin was talking about. Always unplug things and, and unplug the appliance from the house and plug them back into uh, the wall there. Yeah. Um, we talked about safety issues. That that route right there, I would say probably least expensive, but as Scott pointed out earlier, the trade-off that you have is it's very labor intensive. Mm -hmm. So you gotta like run the extension cord, you gotta go out in the storm or whatever happened to cause the power to go out. You gotta crank it, you gotta make sure it's being fueled up, um, you know, different things like that. Is there some kind of like next step up? Cause that's just the getting by option uh, that's, less labor intensive on your part, but still utilizing a standby generator. What what are some options that people have? Well, there's a lot of setups that we do that we can tie and put an outlet out by your meter or by your electrical panel. So you have one small cord you can plug in and then turn off certain breakers. And now you don't have to unplug anything in the house, but you can actually power your furnace, refrigerators, which is plugging in one cord. So, well, we just talked about you shouldn't go and plug things into an outlet. So what are those extra things like that, that get installed to make that actually happen, to make that work right? It's uh, like a transfer switch. It essentially shuts off the city power from your generator power. So it keeps you from ever sending power back down the power line. 
Gotcha. And there's a, there's a couple that we'll talk about a lot more in the next episode, but you know, there's different kinds of transfer switches. You know, this particular one, like the name is going to suggest it's a manual transfer switch. So power goes out, you go and like kick these things, you know, turn some levers and make so the power is like then going from your generator to the house rather than the city to the house. And your that's your safety mechanism right there. It's very similar to like think of farmers when they're farming and they put gates in to change where the water irrigation. Flowing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, so you've got this adapter. So that to me, that seems like a, uh, how would I say, a fancy just getting started, like, you know, the the least expensive, nice option. <laughs> you got a portable generator out there. I I wouldn't say like, you know, redneck, cause like you can get way more redneck. <laughs> I've done some things, oh, yeah. but uh, but that, that seems like a really nice option. You've got a single cord going from your, or to however you wire it up, you've got a cord. And I would say that this is definitely like the other one with the portable generator and the extension cords, that's a, you know, hey, do it yourself just make sure you're being safe this one you want to make sure you're getting an electrician involved because when it comes to hooking up transfer switches and making sure things are done right that way it's, it's a real safety issue it can way. go bad in a hurry if it's done wrong right mm -hmm. so you know that that little extra money that you're going to pay to get a professional to come out there and and do that for you is well worth it um let's see and just just to preface so the with that option you have to have the one that runs the 240 Yes. Um, you'd only if you only had a 120, we'd it only run one side of your uh, breaker panel. So gotcha. So you know you compare the first option that we talked about, and we talked about a whole bunch of things you got to do to like get the thing going, make sure it's going right. When you've got this this other option with a standby generator and one one cord going to it, really all you got to do is go in on that one. You do turn off the breakers because before that you've planned and you've identified circuits that are going to be kept on. So you turn off the, the breakers, go plug in your generator, and then you go back in and you just flip the little breakers of the circuits that you're going to be running and you're, you're good to go. And one thing on that, uh, code actually allows you to put any size of a generator on a house when it's a manual transfer switch. And that is because you are taking control of what that power is running at that point and what it's doing. Once we get into bigger generators, we actually have to size those different when it gets automatic, when it just turns on by itself. But on a manual one, you can put any size you want on there, but you've got to be careful that it's running just what it can run. Um, does that does that also like you take the liability if you don't uh, do it right? To... It, it puts it back on you. Right. Mm -hmm. um, this option also, because we talked about, Scott, you were like, I, w I would want to keep the furnace on. Most people's furnaces are like hardwired in, right? And so if you went with that other option and you weren't wired into the house, um, does that take a furnace off the table as far as like keeping it going? Or do you have to all of a sudden rig it up so that you can like plug an extension cord into the furnace? Yeah, if you don't have this option, if you're trying to run extension cords without doing extensive electrical work on your furnace, you're not going to be running it. Gotcha. So, you know, that kind of plays into, you know, what are the things that I'm going to want to like keep on? And, and I would say that the, 
the likelihood of the power going out because power goes out here in the winter quite a bit, you know, because you got snowstorms and instead of you got the snow piling up on the branches and then those like falling on the the power lines and just different things happening. So that's this is definitely as far as portable generators go. This is my favorite mm-hmm. portable generator option is that one cord going to it. You got you got the options and the flexibility to run, you know. Not whatever, but if you size it properly, the things that you want to be able to run basics. in the house. Well, and Mike, with some portable generators, I've uh, I've installed them where they've built a small little shed. It's completely, in, it's not enclosed, but it just sort of covers it, keeps the generator out of the rain. It runs on propane and we've got it hooked up that it's a battery start. They just go hit the start on the generator and go flip breakers and don't even have to roll it out or hook it up. It's sort of a ready set go that's awesome yeah i i definitely i i'm cheap (laughs) and so like you know i i definitely i this this option really appeals to the redneck in me the the fancy redneck you know (laughs) that uh that likes to have nicer really you know ghetto things um anyway but uh any anything else on portable generators before we wrap this particular episode uh, yeah, with gasoline, you got to watch is that fuel goes bad and it gels up in your carburetor. So if you're not doing a proper shutdown and emptying the tank, if you need it again in six months or a year, it might not start on you. So talk to me about the, the maintenance on the portable generators. Uh, you know, how often should you be going out and just turning them on so that they run? Should you be running them until the gas, you know, runs out? storage talk to me about the maintenance on portable generators yeah as far as storing it yeah usually they always have a a valve to shut off the fuel going into the engine so turn that off and let it run dry to keep that carburetor cleaned out and then you really if you haven't put in fuel stabilizer in the tank you don't want to have that gas sitting there for very long because it just turns into a sticky tar got it okay anything else So on our next electrical episode of In the House, we're gonna be talking about bigger, more permanent generator options. Uh, It should drop somewhere around the end of July. So make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast or to the YouTube channel if that's where you're watching this particular thing. So you get notified next time uh, we drop new episodes. That's it for this show. We'll be back with a new episode of In the House next Tuesday. Uh, We're actually going to be talking about hydrojetting, so that should be a good episode. But I'd like to thank uh, Shane, Gavin, and Scott, or Scott, Shane, Gavin, (laughs) Gavin, Shane, Scott, whatever order you need to put that in your head. Anyway, thanks for for being here, guys. I really appreciate what you're contributing to the show. Are y'all going to listen to the next episode? Yes. Absolutely. I don't, Sh- Shane, yes, yes. you didn't say anything. <laughs> He's too busy. <laughs> okay, got verbal commitments from everyone. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Shane, Scott, Gavin for being here, and all the people behind the scenes that helped make the show possible. Um, Gavin, Scott, how how was it? How was it being on the show? It was good. It wasn't bad. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, it wasn't. Well. You guys said you weren't nervous because you're performers and you're, you're <laughs> no used performer. to all of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, will you guys come back when we do the second part about generators? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Anyway, if you'd like to know more about Any Hour Services, visit anyhourservices.com. I've been your host, Mike Wilson, and you've been listening to In the House. See ya.